Can you hear their music? Yeah. You can? Okay. Oh, okay, cool. It's fine that we're live. We're trying to learn all that, but... Uh, it's inspired by the, uh, the nativity, the camels walking. I made it in December. Father God Almighty, we come before you, mighty, awesome. I don't think it's on, hon. God. Oh, Still thinking about okay. it. <laughs> so you, 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 you did the music? Yeah. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. Like, I'm so proud of it, so happy, and my sons are like, Dad, this is so corny. <laughs> no way. That's awesome, man. Thank you. I did the bass line, and then I, like, grabbed, I didn't do the, it's an oud. I think I'll just refresh it. Okay. Why is it? We're, we're still trying to go into record oh, mode. Oh, I see. Stream. I didn't hit stream. Oh my gosh. You should we're good. It's okay. Okay. Next. Here's my other music. Oh no. Music people always impress me. I mean, I, I, I have zero musical talent, zero musical ability, so I can tell you what songs sound good, but that's about it. I suck, but no, like it's well. I mean, I can do like stuff like that, but whenever I get with anybody else, I freeze, my palms sweat, <laughs> and I just can't. Like it doesn't. I can't. I can do a little bit, but not much. Bro, I don't know how your palms sweat. Some of the stuff I know about you. <laughs> Seriously, goodness gracious. Okay, so this says go live. I'm gonna try it. All right. And this is on. You hit the top button there, I think. Stream. Yeah. Yeah, this that. Is on air. Okay, we'll see. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Christology Podcast. Yeah. Today we have a very special guest here with us. Um, we have Brian Schrepp with us, who is a good friend of my wonderful husband and your host, Dave Nielsen. I'm going to pass it over to Dave, and here we go. Hey, we're here with Brian, my friend um, from school. We went to Regent University together. Brian, you're still a student, right? Yes, sir. Where are you at? Greek 4, you said? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm wrapping up Greek 4. I, I took it last semester, but because of some health issues, I, I had to do a continuation of the course, and, and uh, the, the, my professor is kind enough to allow me to to finish up a semester late. So yeah, I'm, I'm wrapping up Greek four now. So it's Ouch. been enlightening to say the least. <laughs> yeah. That's where I tapped out. <laughs> My kids gave me that look like I, when I deployed all the time and I was like, all right, so good on you, yeah, man. My, yeah. My wife's looking at me sideways like that. So I sort of backed off the gas pedal a little bit. I'm not taking as many courses per semester. So I, that way I can not be deployed as it were. That's yeah. Good, that's a good analogy. Brian, you want to pray us in? Sure. Father, we thank you for this time. Thank you for for Dave and Laura's heart to, to want to spread your gospel in any means and by any media possible. Lord, bless this podcast. Bless this couple. Bless this family. Lord, let you be the center of this conversation, no matter where it may turn. In Jesus' mm-hmm. name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Brian. That, that gave me some... Uh... Some of that uncomfortable feeling and both my eyes got a little funny there just because you get it like, you know, this is about through any media possible when you said that that's why we're doing this. Mm -hmm. 
that's the why is you know because we're, we're taking our 10 bags and trying to make 10 more so thank you so much um back to regent so ryan or brian we met um f- i guess five years ago and was that our first class yeah, I think it was with uh, Old Testament Overview, wasn't it? Old Testament Overview. It was very difficult. Yeah, not because <laughs> it was difficult, but because he was uh, he was very greedy with his with his grades. Yeah, he only had so many good grades to give out. I think. Yeah, I don't think A was uh, ever in his his uh, repertoire. But that's where we met, and I don't know which one of us said, "Like, man, if this were a real class, we'd be th- th- sitting in back talking to each other and maybe flinging some rubber bands." Yeah, probably both of us. We probably sit at the same time. Yeah, we just knew because there were some <laughs> some other fuddy duddies in there, and we we were having conversations, you know, like or discussions, which is most of your or good part of your grade. So you're discussing something that you think you're kind of smart on, and Doctor Kaiser just like wham. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, wash that bug quick. We're like, uh, yeah, yeah. So did you guys talk on the? phone first or was it all just like the you know the chat room because like all the college courses i took online were all you know you can just chatted but you never actually talked to anybody i'm just wondering if it was something like a mirror where you guys had met once and um and then didn't see each other for another we've never met personally in person like it was a discussion so it was we were having a group and then he and i probably started chatting and i think we very quickly developed a non-sexual man crush with each other and wanted to talk (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and got phone numbers, and then we were just texting like all the time. I remember so, all that, yeah. yeah. Okay, I didn't know if you guys had talked. That's that. And, um, and Brian, you were in the Navy. I was a submariner, to be specific. And what, what you were a submariner? Calls, yeah, and what the Navy specifically calls a nuke. So I, I was responsible for the nuclear reactor, the mechanical systems of the nuclear reactor in the back half of the ship. I don't think I knew that. So I didn't either. For how long? Yeah, it's just, it's one of those things. I was in for six. I okay. six years. I was, at, I was on sub for four and a half of them. Ugh. You tested very high when you did the ASVAB. That's what they keep telling me, but I don't know. <laughs> well, you're in Greek I four, tell, too. I, t- <laughs> yeah. I tell most people I'm either the dumbest smart guy you know or the smartest dumb guy you know. I'm, I'm one of the two. I, I haven't figured out which yet. Well, you're very aware. Brian, I don't know that we've ever talked about this. How and when did you come to know our Lord? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I don't have a great answer other than over time. So I joined the military, married my wife while I was in. Um, and so I didn't know him then. And we moved to Virginia Beach, stationed to Virginia Beach. And I was raised going to church. So I knew going to church was what you're supposed to do on Sunday. That's just what you're supposed to do. So we just started looking for a church to go to on Sunday. And then one of the guys that was already on the boat ahead of me was a born-again Christian, and he was from Florida, and I'm from Florida. So we hit it off real quick, and I was in the gym constantly with him. And so over time, probably over six, eight, ten months maybe, I started going to his church. And I was like, this is a very different church because I was raised Lutheran, and he was going to a Pentecostal charismatic church. So Lutherans are mostly blue hairs, and they don't come in very quickly and they don't leave very quickly <laughs> Pentecostal charismatics don't come in on time and they leave late <laughs> so and they also raise their hand and dance around and they're really excited about being at service and I was like this is a very different service but I was comfortable mm. 
oddly enough. So I probably took an altar call. It probably took me 14 or 15 times, I would guess, to, to get it right each time. But I kept going up each time. So I don't, you know, some people could point to a specific date. I, I can't point to a specific date and time. I just, I just know I eventually came to the place where I just fell in love with Jesus. Why did you go up? If you could think back and put yourself at some of those altar calls when you went up. Honestly, looking back from a more mature position, I would say probably because the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Um, back then, I probably would have said I just felt like it was the right thing to do. Hmm. So sort of weighing the difference between the two is, you know, back then it felt right. And now I can look back and say it was the convicting power of the Holy Spirit in my life. Yeah. yeah. You know. Now we know a little bit more about Same with with me. I don't know about you, Laura, but like something moves you. And it, like you said, it feels right. And then you learn to discern and it's then you know yeah, that you're, it's the voice of God moving you. I don't think mine yeah. was quite that clear. It was just I needed help and got it. That was it. Yeah, see, I wasn't that smart. I was just like a you know, 20-something-year-old kid. And all I knew is it felt like the thing to do, and I didn't know I needed help. And here, 30-whatever years later, so what years I still were you, need help. What years were, you, were your Navy years? Uh, 88 to 94 I was in. So I was probably, I got married in 89, so I was probably born again in 90, 91, somewhere in that time frame. The Navy, when we jumped into Panama, they were lobbing big, giant, Volkswagen-sized rounds over us from Chile. Yeah, that was pretty cool. We could hear them. So you were in them, but you were probably off the coast of Russia or something. Where'd you yeah, guys, where, where all did you go? In the ocean. In the ocean. <laughs> he doesn't know. He was down low. We are deep. I don't know. Man, that's, that's, that's so odd. I, I got to I tour a, um, a submarine. I don't know if I'm supposed to say that it was one of those nukes or not, but I yeah. got to see one. Yeah. And um, it was so cramped and tight and smelled bad that I don't know how you guys survived it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny you say that. Um, it's one of those things, and Dave, you probably know this, is once you get deployed, it's like a switch flips, and you're just, this is what I have to live with, this is who I am, this is what I have to do, and you don't really think about other options, so you just sort of, and the smell goes away after a couple of days, honestly, <laughs> it does. until you come back up the next day, like at the end of the, the, the run, and then you're like, oh, wow, the only way to get rid of the smell out of your clothes is to burn them. Yeah, I was um, going to say... We could always tell when there was a sub in um, our port because our, cause you guys smell like the sub. I mean, yep. <laughs> it sticks to your clothes. <laughs> oh, yeah. It sticks to everything. It smells horrendous. Yeah. But, yeah, the only way to clean it is to burn them. And so, I believe it. You know, I, when I got out, the first thing I did was bagged up my unis and just tossed them in the trash. And so I was just like, nope, I'm done. And wow. So I got rid of all my stuff that day. I just uh, I was like like a lot leaving Sodom and Gomorrah. I turned my back on the Navy and <laughs> joyfully never looked back. Yeah. You know, I, I, so don't get me wrong. I loved what I did. I right. love the guys I served with. I uh, Looking back, it's probably some of the most interesting days of my life. Mm. You know, how many people can say they've ever seen the bottom of an iceberg? Mm. Wow. So, yeah, you know, it's so... 
I get to, I get to say that, but not many people get to say that. And no. so wow. things like that, that I got to do. And Dave, you know, there's things that you got to do that you could never talk about. And it's just one of them things you look back on it almost affectionately. But while you're in, you're like, you know, what, what, what were we told? Embrace the suck. Yeah. So not, not to go too far with, with language, but it's just, that's what we were told. So it's like, okay. Yeah. So man, just to like, I just come right out, Brian. I, we talked last week, you got sick six, five months ago. Yeah. Um, back in basically things started going sideways for me back in July of last year when I was, couldn't walk, I had to go on crutches. And then from then until two days before Christmas, really, I was in and out of hospital for one thing or another. You know what's really you know? interesting to me is we would, we talked on the phone a few times. You're you know over the last four or five years, and you're. I don't know how to explain it, but you have a sincerity and this deepness in your voice. Recently, it's just it's different, and I. I know it's because you've come closer to God. Oh yeah, yeah. It, it's um, and it's, I'm still processing, but yeah, it's it's one of those things that when you get to a place where it was like playing a game of whack-a-mole. You know, every time I got discharged from the hospital, I was back in it in ten days. Mm. So at the most, I might have been out of the hospital maybe a week, week and a half, and then I'm back in for some other surgery. I've had to have two bowel surgeries. Um, and so, be, because there was what they call um, telescoping, where your intestines collapse in on themselves. So it was literally preventing me from being able to digest food. The first one was an emergency surgery, and the second one was sort of emergency slash planned. I had to travel down to Charleston to get it done. And then from there, other things were happening because of the cancer that I have. I have metastatic melanoma that I'm, I'm taking medicine for right now. And so, you know, it's been it's been a ride. And Dave, we, I know I said to you last week, and I still mean it, is that if I had to do it again, I would. And, and not because, of, you know, me beating my chest, like, look at what I got through, but more of look what God brought me through. Because, like we talked about, I could look back all the way to June when this whole thing hadn't even started. And, and I could say that I see God's hand, his, his hand throughout the entire moment. From getting my VA card for insurance, to going to my first ER visit for x-rays to find out that I have I had um, uh, a vascular necrosis in my right leg and was going to need a hip replacement to break in my hip to the first surgery to the, like the first surgery there was a doctor that was there that night nobody at the hospital i went to initially would have touched me except for him all the way to going down to charleston at the hospital down there the doctor that was on staff the oncologist down there knew my oncologist up here and texted him and said what kind of cancer does he have metastatic does he have this problem Yep, he's got this problem. Great. There's a medicine that's 90% effective in getting rid of it. You know, so you see the providential hand of God through every single moment. Wow. And I think the, the biggest thing that we talked about was, you know, when God said, Adam, you need a helper. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a helper to, to, to bring you through this thing. And he brought out Eve. And my wife has been so strong through this whole thing that you can tell I'm still emotional about the whole thing. That I've learned better what it's like to have a helpmate instead of a wife. Don't get me wrong, she's my wife, and I understand all of that. But many times I think we as husbands and men treat our wives as under our feet or behind our back instead of at our side. Yeah. And, and, and Genesis was very specific about God taking a rib out of Adam's side, not a heel bone out of his foot, <laughs> that she would be a helpmate. And wow. I believe, and, and I haven't done the research on it yet, but I've, I've heard that the word that was used for Eve as a helpmate is something that you would call a general in battle, someone to help you through a fight. Not just somebody to serve you food day and night. Yeah. And, and, and you know, I know I'm guilty of it. I've, I've treated my wife poorly at times, probably more times than she's dealt with me. We're going on 35 years of marriage in October. Wow. And I know out of those 35 years, probably 34 years and 12, 34 years and 11 months, I've probably been horrible to her. But she stuck around for that one month every time, you know. So. So for that, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for learning who she is. And I think that's one of those things you can't learn who somebody is until you go through something. I learned who I am. I learned who she is. And more importantly, I learned who God is. And, and I think the biggest takeaway for me has been, I think, Dave, you and I talked about this, is that um, at least I personally, we, 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 we say, God, I'm waiting on you. There's a great song out there that says, I'm, I won't move until you come, I believe is the catchphrase in the song. And it's a popular song. I believe a lot of churches are singing right now. But the truth of the matter is, is I won't move until you come on my time frame. Hmm. Once my timing is up, then I'm going to move you out of the way and put me back in the center. Right. Mm. And, and, and I do that to myself is, is I'll take God out of the center where he belongs and I'll put me back. And Jesus wants to be the center of everything. <laughs> Israel, I think, has a song about Jesus being the center of it all. And it's a, it's a good it's a good thing to remember for us as Christians in our walk is, okay, Jesus, are you the center of this moment? Because everything goes back to him. Even the breath in our lungs, it doesn't belong to us. God gave us the breath in our lungs by breathing into Adam. And so when we see that, we have to remember even the very breath in our lungs doesn't belong to us. We're granted it every day. We're not promised tomorrow is what the Bible tells us. You know, so we don't know if we're waking up tomorrow morning or not. Most likely we are. But there's a lot of people that whose alarms went off today that didn't get up this morning. And that's something we have to remember. And I know, Dave, for you, you, you served with a bunch of guys that, that, that left this country and never came back the same way or never came back at all. You know, and that's just, that's just something we have to remember on a regular basis. Yeah, and hopefully that's what we're doing now because this is a war story. Uh, I think that's what we're doing now in a better way. In a, that's what all that was for. That's why Laura and I do this. Laura, Laura went over, she doesn't like to, she doesn't think it's a big deal, but when Aaron Grider was killed, she went over and got his dog and brought the dog home and was also there with his casket all the way home. That's a, that's a big deal. It, it is a big deal. I just, um, 
I don't know. I guess it's just hard to um, put it all where it belongs. Yeah, she was in the unit with me. She was the vet tech there. And this is different. This is like opening up. You know, we're all in our 50s now. So like, I'm looking over at my wife getting tears in her eyes and then I get them. And, but that's okay. Like, <laughs> this is how we live. Yeah. Until this cancer thing, I didn't cry hardly at all. Now I can't. Now it's almost like the switch is not automatic. I just start talking and it's like, click, time to cry. <laughs> I'm like, really, God? <laughs> Isn't it easier, though? <laughs> like, passion. Yeah. It's, it's easier. We were watching uh, Project... <laughs> Project Runway, like <laughs> people making clothes. Like, yeah, we're all out of shows. We've been watching shows for so this, and you know, these people are getting cut. And Laura's like, because it started like eight years ago. I when my brother died, I didn't cry. And then the movie Fury got one tear, and I put her hand on there. And now we're watching Project Runway, and somebody, get, I'm like, please don't cut Anthony Mike. <laughs> Oh, he's going home. It's that bad. Yeah, like I'll look over and he's sniffling and got a tissue. Yeah, but it's funny. It's like the. It's not a coincidence that your relationships are so much better when you when you have feeling. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It really is, and and being able to express it. But my wife and I have now gotten gotten to a point where she is, for lack of a better term, brave enough. Because my wife, if you ever met her before, she was very, always very set back and just, you know, whatever goes on around her goes on around her. But now she's very much, Brian, you did this or you said this. Let's talk about it. And that helps me to be a better husband because I, I have no idea what I do wrong. I'm just, I'm just being me. And, and mm-hmm. you know, being me is not a good thing because that means I'm not being Christ-like. Mm-hmm. And so to be Christ-like, I need someone to correct me. You know, this is a walk that was never destined to be done alone. You look through the entire Gospels, and Jesus never sent anyone out by themselves. Mm. They were always with somebody else, doing something with somebody else. And the same thing goes for our daily walk, is to be with somebody else and to have them help us, you know, yeah. in our, in our yeah. walk. And that's why she's my helpmate, too. Oh, praise God for her. What, what's her name, Brian? Maureen. Maureen, I put the picture up that you sent us. Um, it's such a beautiful picture. She looks oh. like a very lovely, loving lady, and um, hopefully someday we get to meet her. And praise God that she's there for you. Like, um, how about the things, how about when you do something right and she tells you that? How, doesn't doesn't that feel pretty cool? I just see her smile. <laughs> Amen. That's isn't, good. Isn't it awesome though? Like, it, <laughs> I mean, I recently I've only recently experienced this, but yeah. Not take it's not a you know I'm a cool thing it's just to like it's just you yeah. know you got to hear the right and the wrong and it's it's yeah. so affirming yeah. is all yeah. yeah yeah my favorite thing is when she laughs so if I and I'm a cut up so you know me now and I just I like cutting up and goofing off and so that's my favorite thing is when she laughs and so <laughs> that's good it's, man. it's great I just I absolutely adore her laugh I just I sit there. She'll watch a comedy on TV, like those romantic comedies, and I'll just sit and watch her instead of the TV. <laughs> and, and when she just starts laughing, I just sit there and enjoy myself. Oh, I'm just like, this is awesome. God, you know, what, a, a, what a life I get to live. Yeah. That is so yeah. good to hear. I, I'm i dying to hear, um, have you guys talk about the Braveheart? Uh, not to change subject, but um, I really want to make sure that we get Go it in it. while we're there. Go ahead. Well, I wasn't there, so... Um, do you want to tell it, Brian? I don't know how much you remember of it. 
Oh, he remembers it. <laughs> so I, about a year and a half ago, I was sitting in the coach's room. I mean, we're around a big table, 12 coaches, and I just got a text from Brian Schwepp, my buddy. He said, by chance, do you have a coach there, a younger guy who has a heart issue? Did did he know that you were having that coaches meeting? I, he didn't, right? He I didn't mean, know that I was coaching. I, don't, I mean, in general, like I had been doing it, but no, he had no idea. Yeah. Okay, so that makes it even more. We had barely talked about it, so. And I still have the text. It's in our text chat. Yeah, yeah. So I can forward it to you if you guys want to. Yeah, yeah that'd post be cool. it so they can see exactly what was said. We'll put it up in the comments. But it was by chance. Do you have a younger coach with a heart issue? And uh, Josh Anderson, he was. I guess on our first podcast with video, Curtis told a couple for a few weeks ago. But uh, man, I said, "Yeah." As a matter of fact, he's sitting right next to me, and I showed it to him. You know, it was somebody was talking, so we couldn't chat. But I just showed it to him, and he was like, "What is this?" And I said, "This is my friend. He's very spiritually gifted, or he's very aware of his spiritual gifts." And he's like, "For real?" And I. Yes. So I'm going to kind of say the end of it and then we'll get back to the details. But just recently, Brian, Josh said before this last year, I was ready and he's 28, 29 years old, very successful man. I was ready to just put religion, all that behind me and never look back because he was raised Christian. This happened. So I said, Brian, what do we do? Well, let's pray. I said, Josh, are you willing once we had a break, we went back in the locker room. There was nobody. The kids were out, I think, off to an away game. We went back in the locker room, and Brian prayed out loud on my on the phone. And um, Josh had had heart surgery. It's, it's on the first podcast, but he had had heart surgery at eight, 18 days old. The valves in his heart when he was born were reversed. So he And then all these issues ever since, so he... It was getting to the point where he was, his life was in jeopardy and he had to make a decision on this new process or something. He and his wife were very rattled. His wife had been encouraging him to pray and believe and come to the Lord. This happened. Brian prayed. We said goodbye. That's it. Like there wasn't any follow up. Um, But Josh went to his next appointment and things started to change in the way that they do when you pray for things like this (laughs) and God moves and it. You know, it was, it was, it's, man, it never gets old. The doctors were, I don't know what's going on, but um, your your numbers have all changed. And so we're going to hold and keep looking. This was a year and a half ago. He hasn't had an issue ever since. He's never been this healthy. <laughs> Praise God. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's coaching. He wants to, his goal is to be a head coach. He's, he's getting closer and closer and closer. He's vibrantly living. He's. But, uh, like, Brian, where did that come from? <laughs> well, first and foremost, we've got to give glory to Jesus because he's the only one that deserves it. Oh, yeah. You know, that has nothing to do with me. I just I just happen to be the messenger, you know. I, uh, I often tell people I'm the, I'm the pipe to deliver the water, and, and Jesus is the water. So wherever he points me as a hose, I'll deliver it. But um, so that's called a word of knowledge. As, as far as the spiritual gifts go, and uh, and it was just one of those things, and I, I I get them various ways. There's a number of different ways I won't go into, but um, 
for the sake of time, but there's, I, I get them probably three or four different ways. And sometimes this one was one of them was the, uh, the inaudible voice of God. So if you will, I, I, it was one of those faint impressions that you get when you're, when you're talking with God, you know, when you're praying and you hear the Holy Spirit talk to you. And so when I, when I texted you, it was just like, there's someone in this, you know, someone in the room who's got a heart issue. And I, I think I remember even saying that this may sound weird, but is there yeah. someone in the room that has a heart issue? And you had said, yeah, it's the guy sitting next to me. And, and he only has, I think you said 33% flow or something like that. That's something to do with blood flow and his, from his heart. And, and, and if it got any lower, they would have to almost do something else, something radical or something like that. So I, 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 I vaguely recall that. And then, um, and so for me, it's really a dependency upon what I believe what the Spirit of God is telling me. And so when, when I hear the Spirit of God talking that, um, you know, and Dave, you and I talked about this last week, is I just, I take the chance and I just say what I think I'm hearing. Hmm. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. If I'm right, I'm right. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things that that I, I try to I try to keep it as finite of what I hear as possible. And what I mean by that is this: I heard a story once that somebody said they said you know they they got an image, and that's another way I get things sometimes. It's just I get images. Is that you know they saw somebody tripping over a, a green hose in the image. But they came out and said, I see somebody tripping over a garden hose. You got injured from it. And so they know that what they saw was what they saw. Green. And in the moment, but then they're like, you know, they announced, hey, someone got hurt tripping over a garden hose. And that's what that's what the word that they gave was. Instead of being specific about what they saw, they mm. added to what they saw. And so they went through the service and they said, I know that I saw this. And they said, somebody in here got hurt tripping over a green hose. Hmm. And somebody raised their hand. They said, well, I tripped over a green hose, but it was a fuel hose for an airplane, not a garden hose. Hmm. And so because he changed the one detail in the vision that he saw, it became one of those things that the person was just like, well, it wasn't me because I didn't trip over a garden hose. I tripped over a fuel hose. And so I try to not add to or take away from what I see or hear. And I'm, I'm trying to be very specific on what it is, but sometimes it's difficult. So you try to, you try to use words that are general enough that will include whomever. In this case, it was very specific. It was a heart issue is all I knew. I didn't, you know, I wasn't going to say someone who's had a heart attack or someone who's, you know, I just like if someone has something wrong with their heart. That's all I knew. So Brian, I kept it very specific. Yes, ma'am. I might have missed it because I was trying to pull up a picture of Josh. But um, did you say that you see it or you feel it or it's a picture that pops into your head? I didn't catch that. Like, what's the message from God that you feel? So in Josh's case, I heard it. But in other cases, I see it. Wow. Like I was saying earlier, I, 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 God gives me words of knowledge in a number of ways. Oh, wow. Hearing it and the an inaudible voice of God, seeing it, like actually seeing what happened. Um, sometimes he'll use, and it's hard to describe, but it's like a little star, a thousand with like a, a million points of light coming off of it, if you can imagine that. Wow. And the light has all the different colors radiating in it, and he'll sort of 
like hover, like in this case, hover over Dave's left shoulder. You know, if, if something's going on with Dave's left shoulder, I'll see a star. It almost like I see it right now. And so he'll he'll sort of hover this star in the rotator cuff, and I'll and I'll say, okay, Dave, is there something wrong with your left shoulder? Does it bother you at times? And your response would be, I had surgery three years ago. <laughs> That's true. It's okay <laughs> now, but I can't scratch my back. So yeah. <laughs> so so I would take that because he is actually showing me a star on your left shoulder, and I could say, you know, just from there, I know, okay. I'll pray for it and be like, Father, in the name of Jesus, I command healing in Dave's left shoulder, that he would get full range of motion, that the rotator cuff, whatever cartilage has to break, breaks out of place, and that whatever cartilage needs to be replaced will be replaced right now in the name of Jesus. And then I would, after that prayer, I would ask, okay, Dave, what are you feeling in your left shoulder? Because I can't feel anything that's going on. Hmm. Sometimes I'll feel the power of God flowing through me, and sometimes I don't. Like right now, I don't but I feel like he's healing your shoulder. So sometimes you'll feel heat. Sometimes you feel electricity. Sometimes you feel a snap, but I don't know if you're feeling something at all in your shoulder right now, but it feels like he's doing something in it. I'm not, if not, then not. Yeah, I'm not, but it it doesn't hurt. Did, have you felt anything about yourself? Like going through this, um, the cancer and I mean, did you know that something was going wrong? I mean, no, not at all. You said it's though. Funny because even in the hospital, I was. Uh, I think I told you this story. One of my nurses came in and he had cut his thumb mostly most of the way off with a with a with a band with a bandsaw, not a bandsaw, a uh, chop saw, um, mm. uh, circular saw. Excuse me. And he had it put back on. And he had no feeling in his, in his left, in his right thumb at all. And so I was like, well, you know what? I'm a Christian. God, pray for you. He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's okay, great. So I prayed for him in a moment, and uh, I felt the power of God rush through me. So I knew, in fact, that he was being healed. And he goes, he goes, what's going on? Huh. And his, his thumb was all tingling and everything. And he was able to start moving it where he wasn't able to before. Wow. Wow. <laughs> and, and I was just like, uh, so I said to God, I said, God, you're funny. <laughs> but in his providential care, he allowed his power of healing to pass through me, but not touch me. Hmm. Because he had more in store for me to go through. Whereas if, if he would have healed me, then he would have short-circuited hmm. the rest of my process. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's one of those things that, yes, I said something to him. I'm like, really, God, you allow your power to pass through me, but not stop for me. <laughs> and, and so, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's one of those childish moments sometimes that yeah. we have. And it, I wasn't pouting or anything like that, right. but I was just like, really, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was just, it was just, it was just comical. It was just one of those things. That, so I was just like, you know what? You do what's, what's right. And, and before all this started, my, my, my statement I've said in sermons before and even on stage at my church is that if we believe God is good, if we believe that's genuinely one of his characteristics, then we have to believe God is always good. Right. Which means that in the midst of a situation that doesn't feel good, I've got to believe that he's still good. And my biggest statement that I said was, I'd rather be in the midst of the worst storm ever if God's in the storm. Mm-hmm. I'd rather be with him in the storm than outside the storm looking in. It's far safer to be with him in the storm and outside the storm looking in. And that's what this is. This is both challenging. Is God still good? 
and am I willing to stay in the midst of the storm? Now, admittedly, I told God there's times I'm like, God, I'm ready to get off this train. Let's let's let's, let's you know let's let's get off this thing and move on to something else. But the storm still comes and it's has done what it's done. Whether or not I'm out of it yet or not, I don't know. But you know, in life, as you both probably well know, is you're either going into the storm in the midst of a storm or coming out of the storm. So those are the only three positions you get to choose from. And so I know where I'm at. I know I'm in the midst of a storm. So that's okay. Well, Jonah, Job, Elijah, Moses. I'm thinking of guys who prayed, God, just please take my life right now, please. Yeah. You know, and I've done that too. And uh, it's kind of a, a good, well, it, it always is going to turn into some sort of pivot. <laughs> But I, I got careful with that because he's hearing everything. Do you know if you told if you told Maureen about uh, Braveheart about Josh? Oh yeah, yeah. It's a testimony. I, I didn't use names or yeah uh, or any specifics. I stayed general. But I, I've given the testimony to our leadership at our church. Awesome. And so I told them because you know one thing that I one thing that we have to remember is Jesus called us to do one thing. Well, two things. But the biggest thing he's called us to do, and I think we forget it a lot as a Western church, is make disciples. He said, go out, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. And, and so that's the last thing he told us before he left. So what's the first thing he's going to ask us? I mean, you're, you're military, both of you. You know, you're given a set of daily orders. Did you complete my dailies? Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you didn't do the dailies, CO is going to be not real happy with us. <laughs> So the question is, when Jesus returns, did we complete his daily order to create to make disciples? So I'm always looking to make disciples. You know, how can I make a disciple? Well, testimony is one way. Hey, I, this happened. And I mm. told him the story all the way through. And I'm like, everyone in here can do this. This isn't just a, a pastor thing. It isn't just a senior leader thing. This is, you know, I was doing this before I was anything i was just still on a prayer team at a church and just just loved jesus and just loved him enough to take chances yeah i said but you have to be willing enough to look the fool sometimes yeah go ahead i'm sorry i right. laura uh, i just question. wanted to say um i don't know if uh braveheart had told you that when he called his wife about that um about that phone call or the, about that prayer that she was in tears. Like she was so joyful that, um, I guess that he was coming back to Jesus. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Yeah. Um, because she's a Christian and, um, they were kind of, you know, they're what in their twenties. Yeah. So, you know, we kind of get all over the place, but, um, she was just ecstatic about that. So there might be more to it that he yeah. told you. Well, Dave, that's, but. that's the main part. That's the gist of it. But that's a big, big deal. And we told some, you know, kind of bystanders, but it's like, how do you react to that? People don't. <laughs> I know, right? And I can't tell it without crying. So it's like, I know they know. And I think it just gets filed away because well, like when I really came to believe and was hit, which was that was systematic theology, Brian, and Dr. Nugara, Richard Nugara, remember him? Yep. Awesome. Yep. Awesome professor. He's like from New England. I think he's like, hey, call, hey, how you doing, man? You need anything? I'll send you anything. I'm like, oh, oh that's right. Okay, he sends me like a box load of all these Greek books, and like, there's no way I could ever get to it. But, um, yeah. So, um, 
Where was I going with that? We're talking oh, about systematic theology. Uh, sitting two o'clock in the morning, reading in Odin, classic Christianity. Yep. Just about the um, theandric principle. Jesus is all man and all God, and that was the way he wrote it. And I was like, oh my god! And I stood up and I walked around my house with tingles. <laughs> it it it. Uh, got into my soul, it hit me that Jesus was all God and all man. And my life has been different since then. And I, I, I don't know why, but to me, I was like, of course he is. It's so different how, um, you know, learning about Jesus and, um, reading how it's all interpreted, you know, God's got a plan for everybody. And it's so different. So for me, it wasn't in a church. It wasn't at an altar call. It, it, it was all those things I did, all those things that I wasn't. It wasn't working, or it wasn't until then. And it was from a book. Like I never thought that. Mm-hmm. And I only went to seminary because my sister pissed me off and said, "You ever thought about going back to school?" And I was like, "Because her husband's a professor oh, yeah. at Stanford." And I was like, "You ever think about serving your country?" <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I repented of that. Not first, all to be rocking science. Yeah. The first thing Jesus said was repent. So I. You know, I do that too. And then, yeah, make disciples, not converts. Disciples takes a long time. It does. Sometimes the disciples doesn't look, I mean, you know, Jesus dealt a lot with fishermen and, and getting, catching, cleaning and eating a fish isn't, isn't necessarily the neatest of processes, you know, scaling them, you get the scales everywhere and all that. Making disciples is, is messy at best. Mm. Look at Peter. Peter's a great example. He went from being you know, kicked out of the out of the, the bunch as it were, to Jesus restored him at the end and and as you read through Acts, he was the he was the head of the church at the time, basically. You know, so so you see Peter's great fall and then great restoration. So even Jesus who created uh, Peter as a disciple still dealt with the you know, Peter who, who fell from grace and, and even Judas who turned his back on him. Mm-hmm. So so making disciples is not a neat process, and I think that's why Jesus tells us to love our enemy sometimes. <laughs> yeah, good point. Trust. He asked Peter. My, this whole podcast is based on when where he asked Peter, "Who do you who do you say that I am?" Yeah. I was just walking around. We got a little dojo, like a, a room to, with a heavy bag tie bag for the kids, and and I put got some some verses and. Uh, just quotes up on the walls and I was just looking Peter asked Jesus who do you say that I am Peter answered not from his own knowledge he got a word of knowledge yeah. <laughs> and he asked yeah, us and that's, and that's what we all get yeah you know if you, th- if you think about it the only reason we get to call Jesus Lord is because it was revealed to us the father chose that between mm-hmm. us now that said he's doing that to everybody but we the difference is we chose to listen to his voice you know, my, my, I had to have a pastor counsel me on this because in the hospital I was trying to get everybody saved. I don't care who it was. I'm just like, you know what I mean? Not, not for anything other than because the rea- the stark reality of hell hit me Oof. because because of my disease and because of my surgeries, I was, I won't say immobilized, but I was definitely, my mobility was decreased greatly to where, like the hospital gown, I couldn't have it tied around me because I felt like I was being constrained mm. oh, wow. because I wasn't able to get it off. That's how 
difficult it was for me to move. But that made me remember some of these people that have had near-death experiences going to hell. You know, you don't have a choice anymore. There's there's no there's no parole. It's it's forever. And that breaks my heart, you know, that there's going to be people there who are going to be constrained in hell for eternity who can't get out of their own way. And, and God's a loving God. God's not the one who sends them to hell. They send themselves out of their own choices and decisions. So I'm not, again, God is good at all times, right. no matter what and where. However, there's a side to God that, that sin must be paid for. And we know that Jesus paid for our sins on the cross. We've accepted that gift. We've applied the blood to atone for and propitiate for our sins. But there's those out there that have just chosen not to take that free gift. And that truly breaks my heart because I know there's a place that they're going to go that they just don't understand. And so I had to have a pastor counsel me on that while I was in a hospital trying to save people. And he said, Brian, you can't you can't save everyone that comes through that door. You know, they all have to make their own decisions. And I was like, okay. And so that that helped me, but it still hurt me. Hmm. You know, because I'm, I I see people now in a different light. It's like they really need to know Jesus. And then you hear about all these different people dying. And like I read this morning, there was a plane crash, you know, little little Piper, I think, down in Florida in Clearwater. And I'm like, did they know Jesus? I, I, I wonder if they knew Jesus. And that's that's kind of become the important thing in my life is, you know, does, does somebody know Jesus? Because if they don't, then, well, your tomorrow's not promised, as we talked about earlier. It's just. It's not there. So, and how do we know him, Laura? How do you know him? Will you talk about my favorite thing? Oh, <laughs> um, like I said, I was really struggling in life, and um, just I don't know, hitting the bottle and just miserable and so unhappy and. Um, Something just hit me. I don't, and I had a picture or a vision of me sitting on a porch swing at my house, and I didn't have a porch swing, but, um, and Jesus was on the porch swing with me, and I had my head on his shoulder, and, uh, he was just comforting me, and I was just crying and crying and crying, and, um, I still get choked up, but, um, it was, it was such a relief to know how loved I was. And um, I wasn't taught that as a kid in a church. So to be loved unconditionally and to be lovable, loving and lovable, um, that's what changed my life. So, um, you know, just a, great. so grateful. Mine too. You talked about Maureen at the beginning, and Laura and I are in our 10th year of being together, and uh I say this any chance I get. There's been nothing, no joy comparable to watching Laura grow in the Lord because it just, it's this sign of kind of circular, spherical thing that builds me up, the kids up, everybody. But it's so real. And I sometimes I just want to cut to the. Say what I was thinking most of my life was how, 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 how do you do it? And I was just on the radio yesterday. I heard this woman wrote a book about how. Yes, you put yourself on the porch swing. It's okay. It's all in your mind. God gave us this mind, this imagination to use. What I do know is that when I 
when I go there for real and ask questions, they get answered in my life. I move my faith and things change. So I, to me, I mean, it can't be any more real than that. Hmm. But we don't see it. <laughs> yeah, I don't have like the the visions or the feelings or the words that um, both of you, I think, have talked about. Um, that's the closest thing. It's just, but the joy that I feel is real and the peace that I have is real. And um, it's been a, a rough, I don't know, 10 years, five years, whatever. So um, praise God for getting us through it and um, just bringing us that peace. Oh, yeah. Brian, I was praying a few, a couple months ago. I had just afternoon, like, checking in with God, I praise your name. And I had a, the color blue came to me, just this blue. I literally, what? Why blue? What? What's going on? I asked God out loud, and I finished praying. Or, you know, I prayed, and then I was done. The next day, I was listening to an N.T. Wright book online, and he was talking about this painting by Alexander Rublev called The, the Holy Trinity, Eastern. And I so I looked it up. We have it now, but... It's it's from uh, Genesis 18, I believe, where God, where the three visitors come to Abraham and Sarah. In the painting, each one of them has this blue somewhere on their clothing that represents royalty, and it was like the exact shade of blue. And I said, "Oh, wow. that's why you showed me that." <laughs> Praise God. Yeah. So, but Lord, you, for you, I was just praying, and because uh, you did get to see a vision, so God has obviously gifted you. With, um, you know, with a gift, and 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 so you know, I think Ephesians and Corinthians list the gifts out. So I would I would say, for you, the gift of the words of wisdom came to mind, and mm. and so Dave could probably attest to it. But that's a gift by itself. That it's not one of those, and I, I hate to use these words, but it's not one of those upfront flashy gifts. Because mm. people don't realize that you have it until they listen to the words and they're like, wow, that's a really great idea. Um, so one of my pastors, he has the gift of wisdom. When you hear him talk, you're just like, oh, my gosh, that's, that makes so much sense. And, and a friend of mine, I'll give you a, a neat story. Um, a friend of mine, he, he works for the State Department in, the, in their economic division. So the, he travels the world to go to all these different economic policy uh, conferences. He's, he has a uh, undergrad, so he's got a bachelor's degree, and he's in this room with all these men and women with all these letters that follow their names, and they have this major economic problem they're trying to solve, and they all come up with an issue, you know, with a fix. So like, what about this? And everyone starts poking holes in it. They're like, yeah, okay, that, that won't work. And so my my buddy, he just basically spoke up. He, he, he guy gave him this this bit of information. He said. Well, why don't we do this? And everyone tried poking holes in it. They're like, no, it, that won't that won't break it. That won't break it. So ultimately, his gift of wisdom solved an international economic problem. Hmm. So I just want to encourage you that it's not that you don't have it. It's just you have to get used to accessing it. Dave and I talked about this last week with his prophetic gifting. And I believe that you also have a prophetic gifting at a, at a different perspective maybe different mode um and I, yeah a different mode and and so yours probably comes you sound like you're very much a visual person 
So, which is why Jesus used that visual of sitting on it on a on a uh, swing chair for you, because that that sort of drew you in. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and I so think so. So my suspicions are you get those visions, but you don't really. I don't know if you understand. I'm not going to say you don't understand them, but you may just, you know, shuffle it off because you're just like that's a weird vision. Well, the next thing. Yeah, and I'm a new Christian, so being in touch with that is something to work on. And um, I feel that I feel the most in touch with the Lord when um, when I feel others' joy. You know, like um, that's how I got. Um, gosh, I'm all over the place today, but that's how I got interested in learning about Jesus was I had a friend and we'd always go for walks in nature and she was so happy and so joyful. And I was like, yeah, but you can't have a kid or, you know, whatever, you know, she had issues and she's like, yeah, but that doesn't matter. You know, I've got Jesus. And so I have peace and that's what I wanted was peace. And now I have peace. Yeah. Praise God. And so from that, from that place of peace, what I think you'll find is, and, and Dave, I think you and I talked about this last week, is, is the voice of the Spirit of God is a quiet voice. It's, it's, it's a very still, peaceful voice. When you hear him, hmm. you know it because it's something that just changes in you. It's just like, it's a calming voice. Mm-hmm. Um, he'll never yell. He'll never overspeak you. He'll never, he'll never turn you down to where he's louder. He'll always be quieter than you. So, and and what happens is as you grow in him, as you grow in walking with him, he gets quieter and quieter mm. because he wants you to draw, he wants you to draw nearer and nearer. Oh, One of my cool pastors idea. wants, yeah, so that's why we've got to listen, practice listening. Like with y'all, you know, if you think about it, your kids, when you're at a, one of their sports games, you don't have to yell for them to hear you. You could just talk and they'll hear you because mm. they know your voice. Mm-hmm. You know, my wife, I remember once I was doing a, a, a just a, just talking about a, a testimony. and I, I knew when she walked in the room, but their whole room was loud. I knew when she walked in the room because she started talking. And I knew instantaneously she was in the room with me because I knew her voice. The same goes with the, with the voice of the Holy Spirit, the mm-hmm. voice of God, is when you get to know his voice, you know his voice. It's mm-hmm. just something that, that really sort of makes you kind of like, I know that voice, what's he saying? And sometimes he's gracious enough, for me anyway, so tell me twice. Mm-hmm. Most of the time he'll tell me once, and then I'm responsible for it after that. So that's that's on me. So i gotta be, I got to be a big boy and try to remember what he tells me half the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm a rock. I, I told you about the bread, right, where I was praying in church when we, when the U.S. pulled out of Afghanistan, whatever whatever that was. Yeah, right. What a man that was that was very painful and I went to church a lot to pray and God, what do you want me to do? Feed my sheep. I I was hearing it quiet but also loud almost as loud yeah. as audible. <laughs> Praying, what do you want me to do? Feed my sheep. Second time, no really, and I looked up and I said, God, I, I, I know you hear me and what do you want me to do? And I he, I closed my eyes and a loaf of bread was like so in my face that it almost knocked me backwards and I started laughing. And I thought of you, Brian, because you talked about the Holy Spirit makes you laugh sometimes. He made me laugh because I'm telling you, feed my sheep, and he put a loaf of bread in my vision. And I, okay, okay, I got it. It was so cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
he, to me, he's funny. He cracks me up constantly. <laughs> makes me laugh a bunch. He's, he is, for all intents and purposes, my best friend. Hmm. And and there's just days I, I unfortunately ignore him, and and but he's still gracious enough and kind enough to come back. It still makes me laugh. So yeah, he just he's to me he's he's one of the funniest people I know. And not to say that he's a person like us. He's yeah. obviously a person of the Trinity. Yeah. But he just he does stuff like that all the time to me. Yeah. And just absolutely makes me. I'll sit here and just start laughing sometimes. People are like, what's wrong with that guy? <laughs> and they just don't realize it's something that was either said or done, or something he showed me. And it's never about anybody else. It's always about me. You know, one thing that I learned about God is. Is if you have a problem with somebody else, he'll always point to you. Mm. He'll be like, "Okay, you have this issue. Let's talk about you." You know, you you have whatever problem with, with my wife, whatever. You know, I just use her as a person. So we talked about her so many times. You know, I, I have a problem with the way that she talks to me, whatever. And he'll be like, "Well, how do you talk to her?" Mm. So he'll never put it on the person that I have a problem with. He'll always put it on me mm. because he's trying to make me more Christ-like. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you see Jesus, he said something to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He called them hypocrites. But Jesus had nothing in him. He, he, he even said, the world has nothing on me. But for me, the world still has yeah. parts of me. Yeah, yeah. You know, so. That's just and, the and truth. I, I wanted yeah. to touch on this other thing real quick. I think I, I don't want to be sensitive of time. You were talking about the four voices. Yeah, Did you want yeah. to go through that? Yeah. So since we're talking about the voice of the Holy Spirit, there's four voices we that that are predominant in our lives. The voice of the enemy, the voice of our friends or outside influences that we hear through our audible ear, the voice of ourself, and the voice of the Spirit of God. The first two are pretty easy to discern. One of them for sure is the voice of outside. We hear it with our, our ears. The voice of the enemy is usually pretty simple. It's usually a deceptive voice. It doesn't line up with the, with the Word of God, which is why we need to know the Word of God and study it to show ourselves approved. The next two are the hardest two to discern between is the voice of our own emotions or voice of our inner self and the voice of the spirit. Many times we like to convince ourselves it's the spirit of God, but then we have to sit back sometimes and ask ourselves, is that the spirit of God actually talking to me? Right. Or is that something that my flesh just wants? Yeah. So those are the two voices that we have to, that are the most that we have to, that are the most difficult to discern between. That's not to say, that outside influences aren't because sometimes people will come and be like, well, I feel like the Spirit of God is telling you to do this when it may not be. It may be completely off. So that's when, you know, David, you and I talked about this. I, I gave you, I think, a prophetic word. I said, make sure your pastor hears this because we always want to be judged. I, I'm pretty sure I said that, right? I yeah. Said, make sure your pastor hears this. You did, and I wrote it down, and I trust me, I'm active, maybe a little too active. Our church is... <laughs> going through what what it, she needs to go through and yeah so yeah i i yeah. so you know if you hear a word from god like that or from anybody it doesn't matter how much you trust that person i know someone who's been who's fairly accurate and i'll always get their word weighed against some with somebody mm -hmm. else i'll be like do you see this in my life you know, um, for me, I've gotten a lot of words that I'm going to live and not die. Mm. The last one I got was Job 42, 12, where it says his latter life was greater than mm. than his prior. Oh, boy. And, and so, mm. yeah. And if you read through that, he not only did he get to see seven new children, but at the end of that chapter, it's the end of Job, actually, it says he also got to see his grandkids. 
Mm-hmm. And he lived to 148 years old. So to me, that chapter just being told to go to Job 42, and this whole this whole thing I've gone through, it felt like, I've, I mean, you said it from the very beginning, I felt like Job. It's like every time I turn the corner, something's popping its head back up like a, like a whack-a-mole. But, but and, and the guy that told me this didn't know that. But I still submitted to my pastors, to my fellow elders, and to another pastor who disciples me. Because I'm not trusting myself because I'm going to grab hold of that and be like, yeah, 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 that's that's me. I'll take it. But even that, I'm giving over to somebody else. I see it's a little after one, so I'm gonna I'm gonna be quiet now unless you have more questions. That's awesome. That that's so important. What you just said, so very important. Uh, exposing ourselves to to be accountable because we can't trust ourselves. We just can't. Let's be honest. Yeah. That's so important. Maybe we could do a part two at some point, you know, later on. We'll see how it goes. But, Brian. Yeah, up to you. I won't be so skinny in the face next time. I'm putting weight <laughs> on it. Testimony, I put on six pounds in two weeks. Did you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's yeah. awesome. That's a testimony of my own. So. That's this so great. Is, I'm, this is, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm so happy about it. I, I was trying to explain to Braveheart and Curtis. I talked to Brian Who's Braveheart? Or is this Brian? Josh. No, I'm telling them. I talked to you last week, and it's like something, I don't know how to put it into words, but when you said, you know, I was ready to die, of course, I don't want to, but if it, you know, he takes me, he takes me. But then I'm thinking I'm starting to get that I want to live. That's just like mm-hmm. fascinating to me because you're listening, you're in pain. I, I assume very often you can, you know, but now you're gaining weight. So it's just like, it's live in action watching somebody go through the process of listening, accepting, and trusting, and walking, moving their faith literally life or death each day. It's incredible to see. I can't put it into words, but to it's Jesus awesome. be all the glory. To it's, Jesus be all the glory. Mm-hmm. That has nothing to do with me. I just, I just get the <laughs> friend of mine and I. We joke about this. I just get to hold his coat. <laughs> I get to <laughs> his garments. You did so. learn how to listen, though. So. I mean, you did hold on tight, like Hebrews says, you know, Hebrews 2, 3. Therefore, we must pay the most close attention and hold on and not drift away. That's, you know, that's our part in it. Not that we get glory, but we have to do our part. We don't just sit idly by, right? Yeah, we get to give glory, though. That's the best part. Move our faith and learn to give the glory to God. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, part two. Let me know. Yeah. I'll put on some weight by then. Brian, I've really enjoyed this. You have so many little nuggets, and um, I just love the way that you look at Christianity. And um, so, what a joy! I've this has just been wonderful. So, I really do hope that there's a part two. And um, yeah, just listening has been great. <laughs> Father God Almighty, we come before you. I lift up Brian, Maureen, and their children, and their potential grandchildren. Lord God. To you be all the glory, Lord God. We love looking for you, your little yes. children. Jesus, you're going to proclaim us in the great assembly as brothers and sisters. We embrace that. We, Oh, my God, really? We get to be in your family? Thank you, Lord God. Lift up Brian. Thank you so much for his testimony, Lord. Guide him. All of us, let us learn to hear your voice so that we may receive and reflect your glory, Lord God, that your will may be done, which is to know Jesus. We seek you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, come. Thank you for for putting us together that we may learn about you, who you are. We praise your name, Lord God. And Jesus, in your name we pray because we trust. 
Amen. Amen. Great. Well, thank you again, and we'll see you next time. Thanks, Brian. Keep Absolutely. You. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. This was awesome. I six, appreciate it. Six pounds. We're going to share that testimony, and we'll see you next time we do it, brother. God bless you, Brian. Yeah, thank yeah. you, man. God bless you guys. Bye. Love you guys. Love you, man. Bye.